All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and find verse 5. If you haven't figured out by the songs, today we're talking about prayer. And uh, I want you to know, no matter what you think about yourself, you can pray to God. Amen? Amen. You should all say amen to that, by the way. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus is teaching his disciples. There's also a large crowd of people gathered around. They're curious about Jesus. And they've gathered around the hill, and they're listening to him as well. But he's teaching his disciples, the apostles, and others and he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward of full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. Let's pray together and ask God to bless our time in his word. Father, this morning, as we look at your word, as we listen to the words of your son, as we maybe even think about hearing them in our own mind from his lips, we are amazed at how simple prayer should be and can be for each and every one of us. We thank you, Father, that we can approach you in prayer in your son's name, and you will listen and you will respond to us. So I just ask today, Father, you would use me for the good of your people here today and Encourage them to seek you out, to speak to you, and also to, in return to listen to your voice as you answer their prayers. Help them to see your answers at times as well. Help them simply to see and walk with you, Lord, in this life. And help me as well with that task, too. Father, there's nothing that we do in this world that we should not cover in prayer. Help us to do that. And we pray this for your glory, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, I've found that many people will tell me about struggling with prayer. Does anybody struggle with prayer? It's okay to admit it. I've struggled in my life at different times in prayer. I've had many people tell me they struggle with prayer. And the biggest struggle many people have is simply the silence of prayer, isn't it? We, we, aren't, we don't understand the, the, the lack of dialogue. That's a real struggle when you're trying to speak to God and you expect some type of response. As humans, we're accustomed to a back-and-forth discussion, aren't we? When we have a discussion with between two people, there's usually a back-and-forth. Sure seems to be that way with an argument, right? Yeah, but we don't want to argue with God. We want to pray. And so we're used to this discussion of back-and-forth. We say something, and someone else says something, and from there on we have a discussion. And that's just not quite the way prayer works. Prayer is a different form of communication. We need to understand that it's a totally different form of communication than what we're used to. I took an interpersonal communication class when I was in night school or college and um, had to learn how to communicate with people so that they heard and understood me and so I heard and understood them. So prayer is a totally different form of communication. It's talking to and with. It's not just talking to God. It's talking with God as well, who we cannot see, who we cannot touch, and who we cannot hear with our worldly senses. That's the, that's the issue. And yet as Christians, we are told by Scripture and by our Lord to pray, right? Jesus says pray, right? Right. And for 2,000 years, Christians have been striving, attempting to speak to God, and hoping and hoping to hear God respond back. 
In church history, there was something called the monastic move. It happened 1,500 years ago or so and went on for quite a while. It was a time when many Christian men and women would escape society. They would leave society and, and abandon it and go off by themselves. They would build monasteries and nunneries and things like that. They went and formed isolated communities because they wanted to escape the world's temptations. And they wanted a quiet place to reflect and speak to God and hear God speak to them. Some of them it worked pretty well and some of it didn't. That's a bit of a mixed bag. Our greatest example of someone who prayed is, of course, Jesus Christ. He prayed. He often went off by himself and prayed alone, spoke to the Father by himself. But the New Testament seldom tells us what he prayed about. One of the few places where it tells us that he, what he prayed about is when he was in the garden, right before he was arrested. And who did he pray for? He prayed for us. He prayed for all, each and every one of us that's here today, this morning, in this room. He prayed for you, that you would have faith in him, that you would have faith in God, that God would seal you and keep you close to himself. And God would take care of you and that you would abide in Christ and Christ would abide in you. It was a great prayer. John 17, you should go read it sometime. You're in that prayer. Yeah. There are some simple but very famous commands in our culture. Anybody like old westerns? Yeah, old westerns. Anybody like, you know, when old Calvary movies? What did they say when they were getting ready to go into battle? They would say, charge, right? Yeah, charge. It's a very famous command. Another one is, uh, let's go. You usually hear people trying to get ready to get other people to go to do a task. And they would say, well, let's go. If you watch football movies, you hear what? Hut, 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 right? Or Omaha, if you listen to, if you like the Denver Broncos, Omaha, Omaha. I don't like the Broncos. I shouldn't have brought them up. Anchors away. That's another one. Yes, that's another one. I forgot about that one. That's good. Yeah, I was. Of course, I wasn't in the Navy, Lyle. So there you go. Yeah, anchors away. But there's one command we should all recognize right away. It's three simple words. It's called "Let us pray." Let us pray. It's a request, but at the same time, it's also a command. This means that prayer is a verb. Let us pray. It's a verb. It's an action word. Prayer is an active discipline. You don't just sit still when you pray. You can walk and pray. You can stand. You can kneel. You can lay down and pray. Don't try driving and praying. Okay? But uh, you, it's an active discipline. Prayer is the way Christians communicate with God. I believe many Christians today need to develop a prayer life, an active prayer life. If you really want to see the church flourish, pray. Amen. Pray. And you're going to get an opportunity to do that May 17th and 18th. We're going to have our 24 hours of prayer. If you want to sign up for an hour, please do so. Please, please commit to an hour if you can. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Uh, just pick an hour on the list that's open and, and grab that hour and come here and pray. And they'll have hints for you to pray about certain things throughout the building. You can pray and walk throughout the building. There'll be people here staffing the building while you're here so that it's safe. You know, often there'll be police on the parking lot. You can join the church in this 24 hours of prayer. But it's an active time of prayer. Prayer is very active as a verb. And so, so if you want to see the church flourish, come and pray. If you want to see your own relationship with God flourish, pray. Seek him out. Pray and ask him to guide and direct you. If more of us prayed on a regular basis, 
I believe we'd see God doing more things in our lives and in the life of the church. I really do. And I'm not talking about asking God to give the church a bunch of money or give us a bunch of money, though I believe he can do that, and I believe he often does that. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging people to pray about asking God to pour himself into us and into the church so that we see more and more people coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ because that is what the church is about. It really is. That's our main focus is to see more people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ so that they realize that their Father in heaven has a room for them, has a place in his house, so they can be freed, set free by the Son, so they can tell it to Jesus like we sang and that he'll respond. For this to happen, more of us have to become far more active in our prayer life than we have been. Adrian Rogers, the Southern Baptist, great Southern Baptist pastor, once said, the church advances on its knees. We gain ground in the kingdom on our knees, meaning prayer. Few things are talked about in church more than prayer, yet relatively few saints experience the marvels of intercession. Prayer is focusing ourselves on somebody else's problem too, not just our own. Satan sneers at our schemes, mocks our methods, laughs at our learning, but is paralyzed by our prayers. I don't know if you feel this way. Satan is a being. He's a creature. He's he's created being. And he hates the church. And he comes against the church to defeat it in any way he possibly can. So we need to pray because if we pray, we activate God in our life. And we paralyze Satan. He has so few powers against us. So let's see, what did Jesus say about prayer? And he said very simply this, pray simply. Number one on your outline on the back, pray simply. God will hear you. Do you like the sound of that, that God will hear you? Amen. Yeah. In the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we're talking about here, just a bit of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us all some guidelines on how to live as his people in this world. And I think we all need help, don't we? We all need Jesus to tell us and teach us how to live for him in this world, how to avoid the things of this world that drag us down, that keep us down, how to overcome. He said that we can be blessed as his people, that we can be blessed by God. He talked about the requirement to be salt and light. Did you know you're supposed to be salt in a decaying world, that you're supposed to be light in a dark world? That's what you're called to be. He explained his relationship to the Old Testament. He didn't come to abolish it. Instead, he came to fulfill it. He described what adultery really is. And that marriage, there is divorce. It can be allowed in marriage for certain situations, but marriage is still a holy relationship defined by God. He also said swearing an oath before God made the oath even more important than it was before. He said don't take revenge in the Sermon on the Mount, that we're to love our enemies and to pray for them and to help the needy in a humble way, not to lord it over them. All these things he talked about there on the Sermon on the Mount on that side of that hill. And then he began to talk about prayer. And the way he talked about prayer shows that prayer ought to be done with a certain attitude. And I'll talk about that. We ought to have this certain attitude that when we pray, the prayer should also be done in faith. That we've got to have faith when we pray. Or basically it's pointless. And that prayer should be done purposely. I want to talk about all three of these different things, the attitude of prayer, the faith of prayer, and the purpose of prayer. John said in verse 5 that prayer is not about trying to impress other people. So when we pray, we're not trying to be use big words or try to be uh, something that we're not or try to impress people. It's not about that. 
it's not even about trying to placate or uh, appease God. We're not to placate God. God is not someone who's angry all the time who needs to be talked down. Prayer is your personal, private conversation with God. It's your conversation with God. So think about that. If you're not praying much, you're not developing much of a relationship with God, are you? Well, maybe you need to start praying more. In verse 5, look what Jesus said. He said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. I don't know about you, but I don't want my reward here, all my reward here. I want some of my reward, most of my reward in the next life, don't you? Amen. I I love the fact that I can get a reward from God here in this life, but I want most of it to be in heaven. The kind of prayer that Jesus wants requires a certain attitude. Prayer is not about looking good in our religious community. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not getting together in a holy huddle and just really trying to impress people with our ability to pray or our words that we use. The Pharisees wanted to look good when they prayed in front of other people and each other. They wanted to really impress each other with their long-winded prayers and their, and their high words and their, their large words. Prayer is not really about us either. You ever think about that? It's really not about us and our needs. So that's what we mainly focus on. Prayer is supposed to be about our relationship with God. It's that, that bridge to our relationship with God where we talk to him as a friend or a father. Someone who we love, who loves us in return. Prayer is finding out what God wants for the circumstances of our lives. See, we get ourselves into a situation. I don't know if you've ever done that. I have several times. Make a bad decision, whatever. And then we try to get out by saying, God, would you just get me out of this? When really, God might have something totally different for you in that situation. And so you really, what we should be praying about is, God, what is your will for me? I really made a mistake, or at least I feel like I made a mistake. What do I do? How do I handle this? And I need peace, God. Can you give me peace in the situation that I'm facing? That's troubling me. Well, I tell you what, I wish when I was a teenager I knew some of these things. I didn't know any of these things as a teenager. But I wish I did. Prayer is communication. It's true, pure communication. John Piper said prayer is wartime communication. You agree with that? Yeah. What does everybody or almost everybody do in war? Never been in war, but I've seen this. What happens when people are in conflict? What do they do the most? They pray. What are the, what's the old famous army saying? There are no atheists in foxholes. That's right. Why? Because they're all down there praying. Yeah. And friends, let's make no mistake about this. Let's not misunderstand what I'm going to say here. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual war against Satan, and he won't quit. He doesn't give tired. He doesn't give up. He's relentless, and he's dangerous. And he hates the followers of Christ. He hates the church. So Jesus said, pray simply. And that makes sense, because when we're in the midst of a conflict, or we're in the midst of something that's very stressful, To make things simple makes it easy, and that's what he wants to do. He wants us to pray simply. Just pray. He gave us a very simple formula for starting our prayers. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, that's a very simple, easy way to start your prayer. God will hear you when you pray with the right attitude. So focus your prayers 
on God. Address him first. Begin your prayers by addressing him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or, or holy is your name. Do that. Then you can focus on whatever you're praying about, whatever the situation you're facing or confronting with. Then you begin to focus on that, but start with God, right? Pray simply and simply pray. If we focus on God first and pray with the right attitude, we will discover that God really does listen and he really does respond. Sometimes prayer takes a, a special sensitivity because we can't see God, touch him, hear him. So we have to be more sensitive to the way he speaks and sensitive to the way he works through his spirit. Sometimes we don't see his answer because we're not looking for it. And it's right there. It's already taken place. It's been dealt with. And so we need to learn how to be more sensitive to listen to God. Hebrews 4 verse 17 says this. If we'll pray with the right attitude, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's an attitude. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Anybody ever been in need? Approach the throne of grace. Approach God with the right attitude. Confidence not in yourself. Confidence in him. And he will listen and he will respond. Next, number two on your outline, Jesus said, pray simply. And he talks about how faith has a role in our prayers as well. He said, pray simply. God will reward you for praying to him. <clears throat> Here we're back to that reward. I like this part. Verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You like the sound of reward, right? Amen? Do you like the sound of reward? Well, it doesn't sound like you do. Do you like the sound of reward? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. What comes to your mind when you hear the word reward? Yeah, you're getting something, right? You're getting something for doing something. You're being rewarded because you've done something you were supposed to do. But aren't we expected to pray anyway? Well, yeah, Jesus said to pray. But God loves to reward his people. He loves to reward his people. And Jesus promised God will reward us for our faithfulness in prayer. Look at verse 6 again at the end. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So you don't pray to impress people. You go off by yourself. And you pray to God about whatever it is going on. And by the way, don't only pray about your needs. Go and pray some praises too. Yeah, thank God for what's going on. That's, that's our theme this year in 24 Hours of Prayer. Thankfulness. We're going to be thanking God for, for working in the life of the church and in our own lives. And so we need to thank God. Maybe that will be the second thing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and so on and so on. God loves to reward his people. And Jesus said, Jesus promised that God will reward his people. Now you might wonder, why would God give me a reward if I already have Jesus as my Savior? Isn't that enough? Isn't he enough? But Jesus said God wants to do more for you than that. That as great as having Jesus as your Savior is, and it's the greatest thing, God still wants to do more for you other than simply save you. He wants your life to change. When he talked about that abundant life, he wasn't just talking about life in heaven. He was talking about life right here and now, that he wants you to have an abundant life in Christ now, today. 
Many of the things that God t- expects from us takes faith on our part. He expects us to do things. Did you know that? He expects us to pray and worship and give and serve and share the gospel and help others come to know Christ. All that takes faith to do. I don't have much money in my wallet. It takes faith to give up those last few dollars. I don't know how I can help this person. It takes faith to step out and ask that person, can I, what can I do to help you? I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. It takes faith to talk to people about Jesus. So we have to have faith. And faith is, has a big part of our prayers. It's a big part of our prayer life. You have to have faith in God to ask God for something. You have to believe that God is going to answer that prayer and give you what you need. And so this is why the attitude that we have about prayer is so important. Faith is an attitude in and of itself as well. Faith is an attitude. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of acting. It's just not, but it's just not just a way of thinking or just a belief. It's the expectation that God will do what we can't do. There are a lot of things in this world I can't do, and I've got to rely upon God to do that. Why else would I need God, right? If I could do everything myself, why would I need God? Same is true for you. Prayer really drives that home. It shows us again and again that we need God. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, listen to what he said. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Jude said something I think we might miss if we're not paying careful attention. He said we can build up our faith. He said our holy faith through our discipline of prayer. And he also said that we, as followers of Christ, we have a great prayer partner. It's not your wife or husband. It's not your kids or your best friend. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be your personal prayer partner. Has anybody here ever struggled in life with a situation? Have you ever struggled to pray about that situation? Maybe it's a decision or maybe it's just something you're confronted with. Maybe it's so troubling you don't know what to pray or how to pray. Or maybe you're just so overwhelmed that you can't pray. It's just so much. The burden's too big. You can't pray. The Holy Spirit will pray for you. He'll intercede for you. And that's something. That's a great prayer partner. He knows what's best to pray for you. Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit can pray for us when we can't pray for ourselves. Wow. So when life begins to overwhelm you, when, when troubles come against you, you can always pray in faith and God will respond. And when life really overwhelms you, overcomes you, you have a prayer partner. His name is the Holy Spirit. He will intercede for you, and that is a great reward too. Yeah. This year's 24 hours of prayer, like I said, is about being thankful. It's about being thankful. Prayer is praise. Did you know that? Prayer is praise. And thankfulness is worship. God wants our prayers, and he loves our worship. They are stronger if we combine them together. If we pray and worship, they both become stronger. They're like two strands of a rope tied together, bound together. 
wrapped around us and our faith and our relationship with God grows stronger and stronger and stronger to where Satan can't break it. Look at verse 7 with me. Jesus said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think you'll be heard because of their they think they will be heard because of their many words. There's something about the pagans would babble. They would just start talking to their gods. And, and the, they thought that the more they talked, the more their gods would hear them, and the more their gods heard them, the more their gods would reward them or take care of them or answer them. It's not that way with the Christian faith. It's not that way with God. He doesn't want us to babble. He wants to have a conversation. In Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask and be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. So when Jesus says, don't keep on babbling, he wasn't saying don't pray for something again and again and again. You can pray for something for the rest of your life. God wants our prayers and he loves that. And he wants to, to hear our prayers over and over and over. George Mueller was a man who lived in the late 1800s, early part of the 20th century, and he had three friends that he prayed for. One he prayed for like 30 years. Another man he prayed for like 15 or 20. Another man he prayed for 10. None of them were saved until after George Mueller died, but he prayed for these men for years and years. God never got tired of hearing those prayers. So what he wants here is he wants us to pray, and you can pray the same thing over and over over. So what Jesus is talking about here is purposeful prayer. Purposeful prayer means we think about what we're saying to God. We're thinking about what we're asking God or bringing before God. I believe we should take time to think about what are we going to say to God today? And we should take time to ask God to help us pray in a way that pleases Him instead of just babbling on. And don't ever forget that when you pray, you're not speaking into some great void in outer space. There is somebody listening. There is somebody who hears. God hears you. God hears all of us when we pray. And he responds to the way we pray as much as the prayers we're praying. So it's about our attitude. It's about our faith. It's about our purpose. Number three on your outline this morning, Jesus said, pray simply. God already knows what you're praying, what you're praying for. So pray simply because he already knows it. Look at verse 8. Do not be like them, the pagans. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows. To pray, even though God already knows what we're praying for, is praying with that purpose and that intent in mind. Praying with purpose shows we're not taking God for granted. And you should never take God for granted. But prayer has to be a priority. It has to be a priority in order for your relationship with God to flourish. So you have to personally buy into prayer yourself. You have to decide, I'm going to draw a line. I'm going to step over that line. I'm going to commit myself to praying more and more. Make prayer a big part of your faith and your relationship with God. I think the reason why we struggle in our faith and why the churches struggle is because we don't see the importance of prayer. And we don't see the, the need to pray purposefully. Tom Rainer was the president of the Southern Baptist uh, Lifeways Lifeway Bookstores, uh, that, that uh, entity, a Southern Baptist Convention. He said, Satan wants us to under, underestimate the power of prayer. He wants us to underestimate the power that we have with God through prayer. That God really does respond for us. That really does come to our aid. If God already knows what we need, why is prayer so important? Why doesn't God just give us what we need or what we ask for? Right? Isn't that a good question? 
Why doesn't he just do that? If he knows, why do we? Why does he want us to pray? I believe prayer is one of the greatest expressions of faith in God that we can ever show. It shows that we are trusting in him to meet our needs, whatever they are. That we're looking to him to be the, the, the conduit of our, of, our, of our needs or of our resources. Prayer is a way of laying our burdens down at his feet. Prayer is a way of saying that we are fully invested in him and in his goodness. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious about things in life, though they make you anxious. Stop. Lay those burdens, those cares at God's feet. Speak to him about tell it to Jesus, like the song says. Amen? Amen. He's waiting to listen. He's waiting for you to speak. He wants to, to respond. So as we sing our invitation song, as we get ready to stand and sing our invitation song, let God lead you. I'm not really here to lead you to do anything. God needs to lead you. Start following Jesus today if you haven't done that. Or restart your relationship today. Begin that journey with him now. Or keep going. Maybe you're on that journey with him and you're following him and, and you're you're thriving in your spiritual life. Keep going. Don't stop now. Just let Jesus lead you, especially in prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's stand where he leads me. Let's hope he leads us in prayer.